Namaste, motherfuckers, and welcome to Tantric Conversation, episode number 13, lucky number 13, Herschel Stratego. Herschel is a, a local hmm, comic musician, wit, performer. Um, I wasn't really sure, actually, uh, when I invited him to talk to me. I just uh, thought he was somebody I'd like to talk to, and I did enjoy it. It was fun, and uh, he does a song for me towards the end so stick around for that uh in this episode in this interview there are a couple of instances where my roommate interrupted us um, because of something that was going on in the house a matter of life and death and i won't go into the details of it since uh i'd be putting somebody else's business in the street but um suffice it to say it was uh it was pretty traumatic um, dealing with somebody else's drama in a way that uh, nobody should ever have to deal with somebody else's drama, especially someone who is not much more than an acquaintance. Um, I got a lot to say about it, and uh, I don't think this is the place to say it. Um, but, uh, you know, there's always a better option than leaving a bunch of other people to deal with your mess. I'll just leave it at that. So, uh, hmm. coming up in this next week, I have interviews with Kathleen Brady from Secretly All. Um, on the 12th, they are having the next Secretly All, and it features my next guest after Kathleen, which is Dave Brocky. Uh, Dave Brocky is going to be exclusively the uh, entertainment at Secretly All, telling stories about his trip uh, to Mother Russia. Stalingrad specifically well I don't think it's called that anymore can't remember what it's called now and uh, there's also a barbecue coming up um, I believe that's the 17th and uh, Gwar of course is playing that uh, COC old school COC lineup um, no Pepper Keenan no uh, Southern Rock Metal which I like fine but just don't go there expecting to see Albatross it's going to be that that old school hardcore stuff that they were doing in the 80s um municipal waste uh ex cops a bunch of other bands uh keep looking out for that tickets are 30 dollars and it's going to be out at hadad's the uh country water park white trash water park out there what is it in verina charles city also um coming up in about two weeks um i think also around the 12th i'm not 100 sure you can check it out is the sound city rva thing which herschel is hosting uh featuring the breeders uh and elvez and a bunch of other bands that is going to happen down at the uh what used to be called the tredegar ironworks and i think is the american civil war history museum across from brown's island um so a bunch of large events coming up and as usual there are smaller events going on around here which you can always find out about by checking out one way richmond my man john morgan he's uh, compiling all the entertainment for you also uh you know if you happen to be in charlottesville which i will be tomorrow you can check out uh, magnus music uh you know jayon's website he's he's promoting a whole bunch of bands up there i'm actually going up to talk to both he and Abby Harper, because as I was talking to all these various people that I was remembering from the punchline days, I 
I realized Abby brought so many people into the fold. Like she was out there collecting writers and collecting personalities to contribute to Punchline, and um, she had a big part in uh, in the early days getting it off the ground and she's now living out in Orange County just moved back here from Australia so I'm going to drive out and visit with her and then I'm going to go down to Seaville and CJ on and uh, we look forward to uh, checking out these talks I, I Jayon didn't end up coming into town that other time I was talking about but oh well so without any more ado further ado we got to come up with something else here is Herschel. Oh yeah, I'm not here to offend <laughs> anyone. Uh, I I would rather um, repeat uh, what others do or say and have them laugh at themselves and maybe me mm-hmm. if they choose to. We had a brief conversation via text the first time. I mean, I've been seeing your face, um, your name on Facebook for a while and thinking I should know you since we have a bunch of friends in common, but I never did. And the day that I made contact with you, we started chatting Mm -hmm. through Facebook. And I think you let on as how, you know, you see comedy as, you know, one of the ways that you comment on politics or, or the human condition or whatever. It's like, it's the other side of the coin from say tragedy, the serious, you know, you accomplish the same thing. You talk about the same thing, but Yeah, it's a a different language, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know. And so when I'm being serious, which is more often than not, people don't understand this about me. They think I'm um, being ridiculous when I'm not being ridiculous. And when I am being ridiculous, they think I'm being serious, Uh you know. So it's it's strange. I, I guess I just speak a different language than most people. And I'm not saying, oh, I'm a funny guy. But, um... It's just I've always talked in that way Mm -hmm. or tried to communicate with people in that way ever since elementary school Mm because I was in school and I'm smaller, much smaller than everyone. So maybe it started from there as some sort of overcompensation. Sure, or or defense or something like that. Yeah, yeah. There's a huge defense mechanism in comedy. I think it takes the weakest personality to be a comedian. Um, And I don't mean that as... A character flaw to uh, my favorite. Some of my favorite comedians, uh, David Letterman. He's a great guy. I'm sure he's brilliant. Um, I mean, everyone's weak in their own way, right? And people that don't do the the comedy route, they the people that speak. Well, what do you mean by weak? Like they like they have some kind of a character flaw that. Oh no no! Or... I mean, um, they deflect the seriousness of life. Ah. Through their language, um, so they won't have to reveal themselves. But they, I guess they reveal themselves in how they feel about life, the universe, and everything, or mm-hmm. whatever. Little Douglas they, Adams yeah, they, there. They, they reveal it by not revealing how scared they are about it. Mm-hmm. Or, do you know what I'm trying to say? Well, yes. Uh, I think it's. Uh, I do see what you're saying. That it's. Uh, I mean, it can be a deflective thing. It's a, a way of just of not ever taking something seriously. And and right. and I think it. That's a, a, one of the immediate ways that people sell it out, that it's not serious. But then there's all of these other facets to most comedians that are serious. Right. You know, but they are exposing how ridiculous serious stuff is and how ridiculous – like we can't – Maybe they're, they're, um, they're, they're trying to debunk the, um, the, the other language, mm-hmm. seriousness as a language – 
but it's probably still serious to them because otherwise, why would they even put in the effort to um, joke about it and compositionally come up with the right phrasing to um, attack an issue or talk about it? Mm -hmm. Why would they do that? Why would they put so much effort into it? Well, it is a way that, I mean, people really are disarmed by right. humor. You, yeah, you wh- when, when you laugh, you're not afraid of how scary the universe you is. You also have to stop your, like, if you're really on a tear, you know, and, like, you're really being serious and threatening about something and somebody mm-hmm. makes a joke, it kind of uh, undermines the entire uh, right. in- inertia of that <laughs> thing that's right, happening. Right. And But, uh, like, I... <laughs> I mean, I've listened to a lot of comedians talk about being a comedian. I'm not one myself, but they all seem to talk about wanting to control when people are laughing. You know, uh-huh. like not it, it, they tend to be people who felt like they were being laughed at without their, you know, permission or without their choosing. Right, so right. they decided to get out in front of that and just say, "I'm a clown," so I'm you're you know I'm going to say when you laugh. You know, huh? Maybe so, that's why I'm not technically a comedian or something even though i get the label every now and then um because i don't my my goal is not to make people laugh i just Mm -hmm. happen to speak this language that that goes about um trying to deflect um, that that's why i think it's a it's a weakness and serious people sure they have their weaknesses too which is fine it makes us perfectly imperfect or whatever right um you know, so if you're listening to this, <laughs> don't jump off a bridge <laughs> quite yet. We've already talked about that in a, in a recent podcast about that. You know, you shouldn't jump off of bridges. You should instead start your own website, which is with mm. John Morgan. Yeah, that's did. that's the new way, I guess. Right. His and, motto and, yeah. is actually better a life better than jumping off the Lee Bridge. Right, and then you it, won't be embarrassed at all these parties because you won't be there. Right. You'll be at home being a star on the internet. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, yeah, that it's the new reality, and I'm kind of fine with it. Well, I've come, I've come to appreciate comedy in a different way before because I was really, I had was only seeing one facet of it, which is the mock, mockery, you know, mm-hmm. which is like nobody. In fact, we're making fun of people who are flawed. Like it seemed to me that the great right. movement in comedy at that point seemed like all like. Judd Apatow's stuff or everything mm-hmm. with Will Ferrell is like let's set some absurd character up some some you know pathetic wretch and then laugh at him you know mm-hmm. and like for whatever reason I wasn't comfortable with that I probably because I got laughed at a fair amount myself mm-hmm. growing up and I was just like fuck comedy you know like fuck this shit like I can't I'd see these trailers for these movies and I was just like yeah you're just mocking people you're just ridiculing people it's all mean-spirited right you know? right a lot and of it, it is yeah yeah and then I, and that's really this stuff is going for the cheap cheap yeah seats, i'm not you know? into that I, right. I don't consider that comedy i consider that funniness like right. it makes people laugh but it doesn't get people to think um which is what i try to do maybe um so yeah i'm not in it to make people laugh per se of course it's nice when they laugh when i might be laughing had right. i not written whatever but it's more like the laugh of identification, like right, right. You know, aha, you know, like that, right. That kind of a delight, like that's the only appropriate response to be sort of having something revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how did you get into it? What what made you go in that direction? You're talking about elementary school, like did right. it start to emerge that you wanted to be an entertainer? That actually, early? yeah. Whenever the teacher left the room, um, I remember I used to like get up and do some 
comedy, I guess you'd call it, in front of the whole class. I was like a star. I was a star in elementary school. I, I did the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do. Like, you're supposed to be a real loser in throughout your school years, you right. know? And in college, you're supposed to be the guy who doesn't get laid. Uh-huh. You're supposed to be all of these things. And then after that, you just bust out of your shell, right. and you're on top of the world, right. you know? There's... Um, uh, What's his name? Bill Gates. <laughs> I'm the only person ever, I think, in the history of mankind that has forgotten the name Bill Gates. <laughs> What's his name? That guy. Uh, oh, Bill, what is it? I know it's a... Yeah, Bill Gates. Okay. Like, apparently he was a complete loser, picked on this and that, dropped out of high school or something, didn't go to college, right? Mm-hmm. You don't expect him to be like if you were a fortune teller, right? And uh, you had to bet on his future, because a lot of that is probably just betting when they see you on site. It's the odds, yes. Right. Um, I bet if I were a fortune teller, I would be completely wrong about the guy, like around high school, right? Um, but I did the exact opposite. I was on top of the world in elementary school. Mm-hmm. Everybody in all four classes. Um, of each grade, there were like four different classes for a second. There was four for a second, third, fourth, fifth. You know, um, oh, and first. <laughs> How could I forget one? <laughs> um, yeah, there there are four classes for each one, and all four of the classes in the third, fourth, and fifth grade, they all knew me, and no one knows anyone outside of your class. That's the thing. Somehow, it would, like word got around or something. I was on top of the world in elementary school. Then middle school came around, and man, that was hard. Yeah. Because I went from being on top to being one of those guys well, that middle school. I finally got picked on right. for the first time ever, and I, I couldn't explain it. I was like, I don't understand. Everybody's going to get a dose of that in middle school because that's right. puberty. Yeah, that's know? right, and emotions are higher, whatever. Yeah, and everybody's going right. through awkward changes, you know, uh, Awkward physical changes. Yeah. That. So you you were a star as an elementary school. You were well adjusted, yeah, really fit in just yeah. fine at that. And then you got a little oh, shit. I stood school. out. I didn't necessarily just fit in in elementary. You were celebrated. School. I stood you were, out. You were yeah. adored. I really was adored. And when someone would get mad at me, I remember this one kid. His name is Jr. I won't I won't say his last name in case he's in Richmond still and listening. Fuck um, him. <laughs> yeah, no, he's cool. I'm sure, but um. We just finished watching a Bill Nye, the Science Guy video, and um, and he was like in the way of some um, monkey bar stuff. And um, on this episode of Bill Nye, we just watched. I guess it was in the fifth grade or something. Um, someone kept referring to someone else as a fathead. Uh huh. And then this guy on Bill Nye got really offended about it. And um, and then it was justified because they talked about how 60% of your brain is technically fat and all this <laughs> stuff. So I did this over-exaggerated version of that sketch in front of all these people, and he was like at the monkey bars. I was like, move it, fathead, as a joke. And we got along up to this day, you mm-hmm. know? I was like this Clinton supporter, and he's this black kid. So uh-huh. I was like the cool, non-Republican kid. Uh-huh. I know, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> that, that kids in elementary school even think about that stuff. No, like, I remember actually, I was in elementary school when Reagan was elected, and it was a riot. Like, fourth and fifth grade kids uh, oh, came God. to school the next day and were freaking right, right. out about it. Because their parents had told them. 
to yeah. freak out about it. Anyway, you know? Jr. and I, we got along yeah. until this one very thing as a joke. And I thought he was paying attention to Bill and I. He was probably asleep because the lights are down, you know. Right. And we're all watching a video calmly in the AC. And then, um, so as a complete joke, and people laughed, which is why I think he got mad. And he wasn't paying attention to the video. I was like, move it, fathead. <laughs> and he got so mad and he started like yelling at me and pushing me around and all these people started defending me and I was like oh my god this is what I want the rest of my life to be bodyguards please but um, yeah then I went downhill from middle school and in high school I wasn't picked on I was made fun of and stuff I remember mm-hmm. that but um, you were mocked but not bullied yeah I wasn't physically bullied in right. man in middle school I have a lot of horror stories involving blood and someone stabbed me with a pen in the back of the neck and it was really sharp and it pierced a hole in the back of my neck was this neck. a male or a female female uh, I, I, yeah you sense. knew okay <laughs> sexist but um and, uh, I figured you probably just have that effect on women maybe I you know right <laughs> yeah well I get poked on Facebook all the time so um Anyway, and and in in high school I wasn't a complete loser or anything, but at the same time I wasn't like on top of the world or anything. You know, I, I feel like the older I get and the more closer I get to the quote unquote real world, there are more and more people that I meet, and then um, I realize I I'm not that skilled because in elementary school there are only like what um, less than a hundred people in my class to to um, to compete with, right. I guess, instinctively as a... It's a small crowd. It's a small crowd. Then right. in the middle school, your classes Relatively are bigger. Relatively inexperienced. Yep. Yeah, and when your class is bigger, there are more people, and probability will give you more people that are better than you at mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And then in high school, it just got bigger and bigger. And in college, what? Like 400 people in a class? Where'd you go to college? VCU. You did? Yeah. And did you go to VCU? F- I mean, when did you formally start? Did you do plays in, in high school? or? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I did plays. I was in drama. When did you um, start all that? Ninth grade, I guess. Yeah. Um, so you start, you started it in high school. It was that you really started actually trying to get into plays and doing... There was nothing before that, not like middle school and never... No, there was just me um, trying to be... A character. Yeah, trying, like, man, who did I really love in um, middle school and elementary school? It's probably totally opposite of what I'm like now, or what I like right now. Some Probably I wanted to be some kind of comedian. And I remember writing, wanting to be a comedian on one of our things. Mm-hmm. On, the, you know, there were stand-up what, guys what you that you be? liked? So this is like the early 90s that you were, is that what you're, uh, you're yes. talking about, Clint? Yeah, yeah, uh, pre, pre-Kurt Cobain's death. Right. Um uh, let me think. Yeah, Gulf War ish. Uh huh. So, there, who was stand up? I can't even remember because I'm I'm putting this in the context of when I was in middle school, which was, you know, Robin Williams, Billy Crystal. Oh yeah, I, Robin Williams <laughs> was my favorite comedian. I think. Yeah. Back then, and he's still good. Like he's, I would, I would, I don't regret liking him, but I do regret liking a lot of bands I liked. But now I have fun listening to them. Mm-hmm. Like Guns N' Roses. I used to love Guns N' Roses. Well, yeah. Right, right, right. I used to love Aerosmith. I used to love um, Metallica. And like bad Metallica. All of those bands fell off. They stopped right, right, right. being good. They got absurd. 
you know. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, I used to no, but I I adored them as absurd people too. Oh, like, really? I took it seriously. Oh. I was like, yeah, man, November rain. Mm. That's so true. It is hard to hold a candle. <laughs> but you in can the- be <laughs> forgiven for that. You were like eleven or something. Or, or yeah, yeah. No, I understand. But even back then, no, back then I still had good taste in movies, and I don't regret liking any of the movies I liked back then. Like I was really like the Ebert type, Siskel uh-huh. or Ebert. Like I knew my stuff about movies. I was like, oh, the way Harrison Ford looks at the camera yeah. in that one scene, mm-hmm. it like takes me away from all my problems. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, his problems become mine. He didn't kill his wife. You've got to listen to him. Right. So you were able to dif- differentiate at that point between a good performance and a bad performance and even the subtleties of what... Maybe so. Yeah. Minus mm-hmm. the music stuff. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Like, I think if I saw Spinal Tap back then, I wouldn't be the one laughing about it. I'd be like, these guys are awesome. Right? Yeah, I would complain about crackers, too. <laughs> I'm totally on Nigel's side about mm-hmm. this. Why, why is management so hard to deal with? And they sound awesome. Yeah. And their lyrics are amazing. They're so deep. I think a lot of people actually uh, found themselves uh, liking, seriously liking... Uh, those songs, even though they were meant to be jokes, like right, Big Bottom yeah. is, a, is a good song. Soundgarden covered it. They did a great job. Oh, I didn't it. know that. Yeah. <laughs> that. Oh, that's one band I regret liking, Soundgarden. No offense if you're a song, Soundgarden fan. I mean, I maybe I respect them, but I'm like, it's a little over the top. Sure. Spelling Man! Yeah, well, that like, wasn't one of their best, for sure. What did... Um, so... Are you? Do you consider yourself a musician? Also, then, is um, we're talking about that a fair amount? Well, like, I know like five. Are you chords. a song and dance man? Like, you, you yeah, know. I guess entertainer or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not. I'm not great at anything. So I, I'm like, I get all the things I'm kind of okay at, and I put them all on stage, and I'm like, okay, um, I'm done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Well, so what? How did you like? How did this? come together as a uh as a congealing of things like you are so you in high school you start being in plays what were the plays like were they rogers and hart or rogers and hammerstein kind of things uh um i was in like three musicals i think um what were they where's charlie is um, this charlie brown no it's, uh, <laughs> i forget what this is about and anything goes. I was in that, I, and I, I always got like the small comedy relief ethnic guy. I remember <laughs> I was this um, German photographer. I think in Where's Charlie, but a lot of these musicals are the same. You know, like anything goes. Is guys and dolls on a boat? Mm-hmm. There's almost no difference. Um, let me think. Try to keep your face in front of that microphone. Uh, right. There, yeah. All right. Oh, you just put, position it wherever you yeah, need yeah, it to yeah, be. Yeah, yeah, this is what ta- we have yeah, mics. tantric conversation. That's right, man. We're serious business. And here. since yeah, since you're recording this, it's like it's like a celebrity sex tape or That's, something. Uh, well, but you know they'll have to use their imagination. We've actually we just want been, it to sound good. Yeah, you know, we've been doing it this whole time. We're just the most calm. That's right. People at sex. We've um, been switching through the entire uh, Kama Sutra. While right, you were yeah. to us I'm talk, having a great time. Without this, even this is very nice. I am at peace with this process. Oh, good. I, I want you to feel comfortable. I want you to feel <laughs> at ease so you uh, um, open up your chakras and get uh, and get real. Yeah, yeah. Here, um, so. yeah. So I was always like the comic relief ethnic guy. Um, 
there was this German photographer, and either Where's Charlie or Anything Goes. Um, and I made him French. And th- this will tell you how... Because you couldn't do a German accent? Is that why? No, no, no. I, I could do a German accent, but the way it was written in the script was very like... Um, they don't even understand the German accent. Mm-hmm. I think I could kind of do German. I'm not good at accents, but I could I could kind of I could pass as German sounding back then. Now maybe I'm even worse. I don't know why. I've just strayed from the accents because I don't like the comic relief stuff anymore. Um, but I just turned in French, and this will tell you how um, far we've gone with um, with being tolerant or not as mocking towards gay people because everyone would laugh at me being the gay French guy with a camera that took pictures of people on this boat or wherever it was in this musical. And I, w- I would say, uh, in, in the script it said, okay. And I had a joke with a couple of my friends about how, um, you know, back then people would say, you know, gay people say it like this, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And... Um, this the stereotypical super effeminate gay man would be like heck a, heck a. <laughs> uh-huh. So I did that as okay, and big that, laugh, huh? That yeah, it destroyed <laughs> the crowd. Like right. they loved right. me, heck a. <laughs> yeah, put your hands over here. You know what I mean? This is a high school crowd. Yeah, right? this is a yeah. high school crowd, and also the parents and everything. And that was, I guess, the late nineties or something. Right. And on Improv Friday, we would have Improv Friday. PC was gone. We were not doing that any. Right, right. At that point. Yeah, yeah. We had Improv Friday. Like almost every Friday was um like like improv comedy day or something in drama. And almost everyone would get up there and mock gay people, mm-hmm. including the people Where that was were this gay. School? What high school is this? Uh Freeman. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, the, the West End Public School. Uh-huh, yes. It might as well be a private school. Well, no, I wouldn't say that because I, I was taking all these classes with, um, I w- I'm really bad at math. Maybe it's a cop out, like I don't want to put effort into math, but I could never wrap my head around a lot of these things. So I was in like the quote unquote stupid math. You classes. can't bullshit your way through math, man. That's, yeah, you I can guess do it so. with just about anything. Yeah, I, I still don't. I'm not comfortable with bullshitting though. Like what, when I write, sometimes I will even say stuff like. I won't even bullshit about like Shakespeare if I write if I yeah if I have to write about Shakespeare I'll still be like to this day it's unclear when Shakespeare was born right and that's like well it is unclear to me it's unclear that he even existed oh actually. right yeah I've heard that about were, that their plays yes yes um, maybe that wasn't the best example yeah yeah but, but and, you, yeah we would always have Improv Friday and mm-hmm. even the gay people in our class everyone that we. Everyone we knew was gay in our drama class. Um, and they, they, even they would get up and they would do the um, uh, Nathan Lane type of gay guy uh-huh. in the birdcage. Right. And the whole class would laugh. So they're just up there making fun of... Um, was it a laughing with or laughing at kind of a situation? Maybe with or at, but I don't know. But now it's like kind of... Um, it's kind of taboo to... Um, to portray a gay guy as like, oh, the stereotypical effeminate gay man. And that'll tell you how far we've come with being tolerant about gay people. I think that's a great thing. Well, it's it's interesting to me how much, in considering that most of this is entertainment, right? Mm -hmm. That, like, that people can, and, and, you know, like, everybody's got their thing that they don't want to get made fun of for. They don't want anybody making fun of them for something. There's something they're insecure about, Right. 
this going on in, in in the entertainment world just seems like why are we even giving it legitimacy? It's just right. like it's just it's just fiction. It's just silliness. Right. Yeah, people will get. I mean, I was listening to people arguing about Johnny Depp's characterization of a Native American in the mm-hmm. Lone Ranger recently, as if this is offensive, and it's just ludicrous. I didn't not, see it. You know, I don't understand. Like his character, I haven't seen it either. But like you can. You know, you can just tell by looking at it. He's just a, being a big, silly cartoon character. And why even mm-hmm. give it any press right. like, as a serious portrayal or, or somehow setting, um, you know, national attitudes of Native Americans back mm-hmm. 100 years? I mean, why? That's just a stupid movie, like entertainment. I can understand if somebody is, like, <clears throat> discriminating against someone in a place of employment or at a restaurant right. or out in the real world where shit matters – but what do we care about somebody swinging for the cheap seats in a stupid-ass movie? Right, right. You know? I don't understand why anybody wastes their breath on that. Yeah, see, know? I wish I wouldn't waste my breath, too. Like, uh, when I um, when I see some Carlos Mencia stuff or when I see stuff like Daniel Tosh stuff, it's all cheap stuff. But I can't help, um, I can't help but take it, take it in a way that um, gets me... More so socially conscious about everything. Right. Like I'm on some sort of high horse, but um, and this is of course what I started off saying. What I didn't like about comedy for so long is it just seemed like people were going for the cheap laughs. Right. By being well, yeah. You know, there's there's an incentive for that. Like I, I guess like getting in front of people or having your product out in front of people um, is it, it, it's like a drug. You know, I think to a lot of people, it's probably some sort of drug. And when they hear laughter, they feel like I'm the reason for this emotion right. that these people are so having. So did you ever seek that buzz from like getting the la- – you said you didn't really care about being laughed Oh, Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I totally did. Like uh, when I was way younger, you know, like in high school or whatever with this French gay photographer guy or um, or even when I started performing, like I have this song that – um. It's like it's uh, what people know as the stalker song, mm-hmm. but I like to call it. Um, I was just in your neighborhood, or I was just in the neighborhood, or I love what you've done with the curtains, or something. Well, perhaps you can perform that. Perhaps for us I a could. Bit. Um, but like that has a lot of cheapness to it, and um, I stray I stray away from those things now because when I go somewhere, I I'm actually one of these people that I don't want to necessarily leave happy. Mm-hmm. I want. Because, you know, you can, uh, you can laugh at, and you can laugh at anything. You can be really high or whatever. Right. And you can, you can crack up. That may, maybe there's a gas leak in your apartment. Right. That's entertaining. Right. You're having a good time. You're laughing. So it's such a cheap thing to give an audience. I don't want to pay money or I don't want to spend the energy of attending a place and being attentive to someone on stage or a movie or whatever if it doesn't go beyond the laughter, mm-hmm. you know, I, I want to leave with someone else's perspective in mind, mm-hmm. or I would like to leave with, um, I don't know, something to think about or feel or this right. or that, you know? And so when people are like, Oh my God, he's so funny, which is fine. People are into things for different reasons. So it's, there's no attack on them. If they want to leave a place happy, most people just want to be happy. Right. So, you went to VCU for theater or Oh, what? um English. English. Oh, but did yeah. did you get into or did you not study perf- 
performing arts? Oh, I did not study them at all. Besides for my English stuff, because every paper I wrote, almost every paper I wrote, I turned it into how can I talk about stand-up comedy in this Uh paper. Like, I remember I did um, this really long paper on that poem Daddy by Sylvia Plath. Uh (laughs) And I talked about the comedic um, rhythm and use of language and accents and stuff in this and i i compared it to comedy so everything i would did get, your teachers like your writing in college uh, even when you yeah, took most those of them controversial did. angles on it most of them did i think yeah yeah, yeah. i i somehow got an a plus as in a hundred on my senior seminar paper um which was really interesting to me because he circled every time i wrote um, my my topic was the 1950s of stand-up comedy mm-hmm. in America mm-hmm. because... Like, is that Lenny Bruce? Yeah, yeah, Lenny Bruce and Mort Saul mm-hmm. and um, Shelley Berman and people like that. Um, and also um, Elaine May and Mike Nichols. And you know, you could turn that chair so that you're, like, facing oh, yeah, towards me. I, I just, like, that's originally was the plan, but then right, I was right. just up against the Yeah, okay. but I was very go. surprised You to didn't have to turn see. your head to the side. Now you're good. Uh, yeah, I was really surprised to see that I got a hundred, an A plus on my senior seminar because I I, w- I would write about how um, Lenny Bruce completely changed his comedy after going overseas, mm-hmm. but he circled every time I wrote overseas because I didn't write that he was overseas. I meant my manager. I, I mean, the paper said Did my manager. My manager oversees this department. Ah. Uh. Every so time E-E-S. I I think it's because um you misspelled the word. I right? misspelled the word right. or, or like I would type it in and maybe overseas with S E E S. That exists as a word ma- also. Ma- yeah, maybe S E E S is more acceptable to like grammar check or something. R- either one it would be acceptable t- as far as right, spelling, right? right? <laughs> but but it, maybe it's more common. So every right. time I wrote O V E R S E A S, maybe the computer just made it O-V-E-R-S-E-E-S. Okay. And I wasn't even looking. What and, you, and he circled it, but he didn't take any points off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right. he liked it so much. Yeah. He w- yeah, and that it's one of the best things I've ever written. So your written. teachers liked your writing, and, and you were a fan of comedy at this point, obviously. You're writing about it. Yeah, ever since elementary school, I was a fan of comedy. Of stand-up specifically, or like yeah, yeah. funny movies, uh, sketch. Television well, sketch, funny, like sketch comedy. funny cerebral movies. Uh-huh. I don't like it to just be funny. Like, I still haven't seen Animal House to this day. Right. Um, and I kind of don't want to. Maybe it is brilliant. Because Dumb and Dumber, I thought, was it's a, brilliant. It's what we used to call, when I was growing up, a cheap tit movie. You know, it's oh, okay. funny, but there's lots of, like, well, gratuitous. Okay, yeah, yeah. You know, it's one I, of no, those. No, but you can still um, look cheap or come off as cheap but have something clever in it. Right. There could be something cerebral going on. Like, I thought Dumb and Dumber was brilliant. It, it, you have to be really smart to write that stupid. Yeah. And well, that's one of that's man. one of the kinds of fields of comedy that I was repulsed by. Like those guys, the mm-hmm. uh, the Ferrelli brothers. You know, it's like jizz in the hair and like uh, I mean, whether it's you know, all of these movies, something about Mary Kingpin, um, Dumb and Dumber. These are all Ferrelli, right? Oh, they were always. Oh wait, uh, wait, wait, what is the name? Farley, Farley, right? It's the Ferrelli brothers. Are you sure? Right? Yeah. Okay. F A R. I swear I've heard the Farley brothers. Well, I, can, I don't know. Yeah, I have a smartphone here. Ooh, we can look this excellent. up. Excellent. Um, um, anyway, yeah. so you liked did you liked funny movies, but they had to be somewhat cerebral. They weren't just. But that 
those weren't really cerebral, but well, well, th- there are really clever things even in Kingpin, like um, the the one the one shot that comes after that guy gets his hand um, right. destroyed. Right Bill after Murray. that, that's ra- Bill Murray, right? Oh no! Oh no! No, um, Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson, right? Right, right. right after that. It's like 10 years later or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. And it shows a shot of somebody um, putting wood into one of those mulch makers. Uh-huh. And it's perfect. Like, they did that so <laughs> yes, well. Yes, it's Farelli. F-A-R-R-E-L-L-Y. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, but Farelli would have an I if it were, like, Italian-sounding. So maybe it is Farelli. Okay. Maybe they say Farrelly, brother. Perhaps we are... And in my head, whenever they say it, I thought Farley, like mm-hmm. Chris Farley. Like Chris Farley, but there's more Whoops. syllables in it. Right. Than that. Oops. I had no idea. <laughs> I, I, but people knew what you were talking about. Okay. Um, all right. So you like that sort of thing. Was for you, in as an English major in college, was comedy like the what rock and roll was? For like other people, like you know, I was writing about like music. Oh right, you know, for English papers and stuff because I was interested in what music was doing as a revolutionary thing, or so it seemed oh, to right, me right, right. at that time. Because that's like when hip hop was coming out. So I'd write poetry papers about hip hop. Oh, that's cool. You know, and yeah, it seems really sophomoric and and silly to me now. But that you know, I was applying my English major skills to talking about music and art. So for you. It was the outside interest was comedy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just like how um, how much effort goes into good comedy or, or things that are actually comedy. Like I feel like comedy is the intersection between humor and funniness. Yeah, like humor isn't always ha ha, but right. humor is always it's ah ha. Right. Like there's a huge difference between ha ha and aha. There's the and right. There's the the identification and the revelation aspect right. of it. Somebody like Will Rogers, you know, humorist. They don't call him a comedian, although there's lots of laughs right, in what right. he does. He's he's commenting on things, and there's humor in the comment. Right. But it's a wit. He's more of a wit. Yeah. Like he a, talks about um, life, the universe, and everything, and right. logic, and the human condition, or whatever. You know, whatever your topic is. Like I feel Robert Frost is aha. Mm-hmm. He's very rarely ha ha, but, but you've then been known to laugh pe- at a people like um, people like um, Daniel Tosh or whatever other comedians I strongly dislike. <laughs> um, even Bob Hope, I know I'm gonna get um, my ass kicked now, mm. but I didn't. I never liked Bob Hope. He's he's just ha ha to me. He's not right. ha ha. I never think about things when he says them. It's like he doesn't twist it. In a profound way. So, who are the guys that you really do? I would assume you like Louis C.K. Yeah, he's yeah. One of he, those people. he has right. the ha ha and the aha. Right. He's a true comedian. He has right. that intersection of right. humor and and um, and funniness. Right. Um, he's revealing something. Like there are moments when I'm watching his stuff that I'm just getting my mind blown by an observation that he's right. making, and I'm not laughing. I'm going, whoa. Right, right, you right. Know. Yeah, I rarely laugh um, when I when even when I see a comedian, I rarely laugh. Um, but in my heart, I'm laughing, but in my brain, I'm thinking. <laughs> um, yeah, because that happens when you're one of them. You, you, it's hard for you I to guess laugh because so. you're, you're comparing your writing to that. And oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Yeah, I kind of do that. You're right. You're like a psychologist to me. It's, no, I've just heard people I'm say not that. not even paying that, for this. You know, uh, that, that's, I mean, I've listened to a lot of people talk about this kind of thing, and I can relate. You know, like if when, I'm, when I'm reading, when I really did fancy myself a writer, when I was reading short stories... Mm-hmm. And essays and stuff like that. I was just thinking about the craft because I've right. been educated to think about 
the craft. I was educated that they oh they're folding this myth in here. Now right, they're right. using, you know, this this sort of uh omnis third person narrative, omniscient right, right, know, right. Yes, yes. thing. It's hard for me to get lost in what they call the fictional dream. And the same thing's true when I'm watching comedy a lot of times. It's rare you know, for brief periods of time somebody can really pull me in there, mm-hmm. but I also look at it as writing and I look at like, you right. know, now, especially because I, I realize how much goes into it. I used to not. I used to think comedians were just funny. You know, they mm-hmm. got up there and they had all these jokes and they told them. And yeah, that, that's up. what I was about in elementary school, and and in some of high school. So when I, when I see people that really appreciate Carlos Mencia or something, I'm like, okay, waste your money. Yeah, but I, you know, man, is he even doing anything these days? Yeah, he's still around. Okay. In fact, I was just looking at. I got HBO Go, and the comedians, the the choices you have there, like Louis C.K., Will Ferrell, he's a uh, yeah, I like him. Chris Rock, love Chris Carlos Rock. Mencia, and uh, <laughs> um, I don't know one other person, but I mean, but that, who is that guy that's like super? I mean, he's clean as hell. He's super popular. Uh, Brian Regan. I saw two different stand-ups of that guy. That I was fucking dying laughing. Like, he's yeah. just fucking hilarious. He's a total clown. Like, yet he's talking about brilliant shit. Like, he's talking about writing sentences and paragraphs mm-hmm. and making that absurd and ridiculous. And he, and he looks very comical to begin with. He makes great faces. But like, he really okay. just took me by surprise. Like, I wasn't expecting anything from him. And I put on one of his specials on Netflix. I was laughing the whole time. Jim... Gaffigan. Yeah, you know, one that's guys, one comedian you know. I used to strongly dislike, but then I saw him, um, I guess it was on Letterman. Oh my God. I was like, wait, why did I dislike this guy? He mm-hmm. is actually brilliant somehow. Yeah. Somehow. He's really good. He's one of the good ones these I days. I mean, if you can do 10 minutes about Hot Pockets, that's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even that stuff, people, most, most people maybe, um, or maybe most people are smarter than than most people give most people credit for. Mm-hmm. But um, most people maybe don't um, look at this Hot pocket stuff. They don't look at it for what it's subconsciously worth. And instead, they're like, oh, he's talking about Hot Pockets, yeehaw. <laughs> most people might be like that. But um, I see, I don't want to compare. When, when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, yes, the stuff society but makes, But he's also man. admitting that he eats the shit. Right, right, right. So he's not like standing above it. He's like, I, I, I'm I've, one of these I victims. Fall into yeah, it. Yeah, I'm one of these victims. So that you are identifying really with him. He's terrible not, food. He's not uh, victimizing you, and that I think is the for me, like the the line I draw with comedy is like I don't think there's anything funny about bullying people through humor. Like mm-hmm. I, I just think it's shitty, you know. And like I can't, I have a right. hard time doing anything. But with- yeah, yeah. I mean, okay, you know, maybe these people that do that um, think it's profound. In some way, but like you said, they, they also have... know it sells, and they can get the laughs, and they're oh right, the yeah, seats, man. You know? Okay, I don't want to contradict myself. They they don't even they don't care about it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it really, you can you can be as value oriented as you are about like what what does this say about this comedian, or right. what does it say about society that this guy gets away with these jokes and everybody laughs at him. But the very first thing we talked about, I think, having to do with, you know, capitalism and money and shit like that, that's the answer. Uh-huh. You know, as long as people are eating it up, people are going to give it to them. They're going to serve right. up Hot Pockets and they're going to serve up, a, you know, de- degrading, shitty, uh, stereotypical humor. Right. But what's what I have to remember is that that's not all the comedy that's out there. Like, it's just like with food. Uh, hang on a second. Yeah, so... 
I guess we're in agreement that like we like that kind of comedy. So when did when did you start? Um, you graduated as an English major, got your liberal arts uh, degree, and had you started performing at that point? Like, what is your foray? Oh, man. Well, um, I think somehow I was really shy about performing for the longest time. Um, people don't think I'm shy, but I think I am. Or a lot of my friends know I'm shy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I didn't want to... I, I did want to at some point just be like, oh, I'm a, I'm just a fan of comedy now. I don't want to do it. Um, so I'll just... Did you go see... Would you going around Richmond and, and checking out stand-up at No, I wasn't places? doing any of that. Um, I will brag a little later, though, about how I'm a big part of why... Stand-up comedy is huge now in Richmond. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'll explain later, though. Okay. No, it's me and, like, strong it's words, me and like three or know. four... It's me and three <laughs> other four comedians that brought it to the city. Cause, never mind. I'll, I'll explain later. But, um, yeah, there was, there was a point where um, when I was thinking, yeah, I'll just be a fan of comedy. I don't want to pursue that anymore or right. to any degree or in any way. But um, and I have all these serious songs. I had so many serious songs, and then I I looked at them one night and I was like, "These." So are hold on. So you were writing you're writing songs um, all along, not necessarily. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. I've so you're a musician, also, right? Songwriter, I guess. Yeah. I, I can't do the technical musician well, stuff. Right, so right. I write down stuff on a sheet of paper. Most people I know cannot do that. They're right, right, right. Um, and I, the chords are way later. The chords are the day before the show. Let's uh-huh. see what chords might be okay, okay here. But to me, it's just melody and lyrics, or the relationship between the lyrics and the melody. Mm-hmm. I don't even care about the speed of the song, the, or the speed of the performance, or the the way the track sounds. It's just, um, I I I would like to walk down a street. I'd like to walk down a street and um, and have something in my head, and carry it with me. Like I'd like to be. Um, even if I were homeless, can't afford a guitar or whatever, I'd like to have a song with me. And that is right. what a song is. A song is something you sing mm-hmm. or you hear in your head or keep in your heart, uh-huh. you know, something like that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I never care about people's chords and even the way they sound. Like, even if they're tone deaf, um, it doesn't bother me. If if I hear the melody and the words, I'm like, oh yeah, that's well done, mm-hmm. or you know, or no. I, so my, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't. I've never seen you perform at this point. I I know of you as a as a personality, and I know that you like. I missed it when we were at a party together one time, but I was just sort of assuming that you are a, you know, the song and the music is supporting the comedy, and that you're. But you write serious songs that aren't. Necessary. Oh no no no! I mean. When I say I wrote serious songs, mm-hmm. the songs I used to write, probably if I sang them now, you'd be like, are you Scott Stapp? You know what I mean? <laughs> Who is that? The Creed uh, The Creed guy. guy. Oh. Yeah, it was like way too... And they were bad. And mm-hmm. I, it's hard for me to talk about myself, even though that's all I've been doing right now. Or right. Well, maybe other things. Or yeah, other things. But um, So I was really bad at like articulating ideas... Before I heard Randy Newman, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I heard Randy Newman my whole life, but before I actually paid attention to him, he was on that show, Musicians. Mm-hmm. You remember the show? Yeah, mm-hmm. it uh, was it, a, it was like a VH1 show. I yeah, think, I right? think so. I yeah. think so. Um, 
Anyway, I heard him, and I was like, wait a second. He's not singing about himself. He's a character or something. Mm -hmm. And that changed everything. I threw all those songs away. Oh, right on. And I was like, okay, be someone else. That's so much easier, Mm -hmm. you know? And so um, it happened really organically or gradually. Um, And then I started writing silly, not silly things. At the time, maybe I was like, oh, this is silly. I wasn't thinking... This has something to it that's beyond the ha-ha. Right. Um, and and then um, I started performing. But even when I started performing, in my head I was like, yeah, it's serious. No one's going to laugh. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, in between stuff I would perform, mainly covers, Elvis covers or whatever, um, I, I, I noticed, oh, this, that language that I speak, it's coming out. And so I had no choice but to be a quote-unquote song and dance man or something, uh-huh. you know? And I was like, well, I guess I can't do that thing where... So you you like the idea that you if you inhabit a character and sing a song from that character, you could actually articulate this thing that you want to articulate. And you can make this commentary you want well, to make. You know, not, not make stuff the joke necessi- that you want to make. Not or, necessarily stuff I want to articulate, but stuff that these people want. The stuff that I think these people want to these articulate. These are people you invented, though. Well, kind of. But I, so they're you. I, 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 I <laughs> eavesdrop on people all the oh, time. Okay. And that's how songs start for me. Like, I don't do a thing where I'm walking down the street and I'm like, man, she broke my heart. Right. And you then, overhear people talking and, and you want to say something about yeah. that. Uh-huh. Yeah, people have so many cliches, which is fine. I say a lot of cliches, like even have a great day. Right. Now, from there, where would I go? If I overheard someone say, have a great day, and it struck me like lightning or something, mm-hmm. that that might take me like, have a great day, and it would mention all these things that they don't want happen to you, maybe. Right. I'm giving everyone here a song for free. I, I got this. It's okay. like stuff you don't want to have happen to uh-huh. you, but stuff that's very So likely. it begs the question yeah. for you, right? Yeah, like, so, so you hear yeah. have a great day, and you're like, so what would be not having a great right, day? Right, right. And, but uh-huh. the thing is, the chorus would be wishing someone would have a great day, but the verses would be stuff that, is, more like, likely you're that gonna... is stuff that you will most likely <laughs> have happen to you. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Right. Don't mm-hmm. run out of shampoo. While you're in the shower, right. whatever. That happens all the time. And, and you know... All these things, like, don't lock your keys in your car, you idiot. (laughs) Um, And then have a great day. Like, have a great day, have a great day. You know, this seems like it might be a good time if you wanted to uh, bust out the uke and uh, do a number for us. Okay. You ready for that? Right. All right. Okay. Here's here's the first song I wrote that I did not throw away. Um, And I I, I played my first show ever, which was um, an Elvis tribute it was on his birthday in 2007 so i've been doing this a while now still ain't got nothing but um uh yeah what happened was i got really drunk um because i wasn't i didn't ever perform you know and i wasn't nervous about performing or anything because um you know the elementary school days mm-hmm. and high school days and um just like being the chatty insecure guy or something you were used to being a center of attention right so you didn't mind everybody looking at you right 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 but i don't it's not like i was trying to be the center of attention yeah if if someone you were just comfortable with that is what you're saying you weren't nervous to get up there i mean if someone else is making someone 
laugh or getting the room to pay attention to something, I'm like, okay, good. There's it's no there's no awkward silence. Right. So I'm not I just hate it when things are quiet and then I have to be like, Oh, things sure. are quiet right now. Oh, listen sure. to this, listen to this. I can relate. Yep. Um so anyway, I got really drunk because I wasn't not only was I not used to performing, but um there was this special someone that was going to be at this party and I'm not good at dealing with special someones. Uh-huh. So I had an entire bottle of champagne in five minutes. And I thought – I didn't think champagne was very alcoholic because it's things that people pop all the time at weddings and right. stuff, you know? It's more of a prop. Yeah, this was like my first year of drinking. Like I hadn't had anything to drink really since – I was like 23 or 4 or something like that. And mm-hmm. – and you know, it was that's when I started drinking. I don't know why mm-hmm. twenty one. I skipped over that. It's so like, let's uh, have the song, sucker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, I got really drunk and started talking to the audience instead of playing Elvis songs. Um, and then somehow this guy was with this girl, and the, I even the special talk- someone that yes. you wanted to be talking to. Uh-huh. And I even talked about them in front of all these people. Well, it's like, you said you ride alone and didn't need a ride. What is this? Who gave you a ride tonight? This guy. That guy. You know, not this guy like me, unfortunately. But anyway, um, so I got really drunk and upset about the whole thing. And then when I woke up the next morning, like at 5 a.m., I drove home cracking up about how she was way taller than I am. And that's why maybe she was with this guy, who is actually a good friend of mine now. Um, and so I was like, man, tall people, they just have it so good. Uh, and, we do, it's true. Yeah. And so um, so I wanted to put myself in a tall man's shoes. And so I did that and thought it was ridiculous how conceited this weird character was. Like, I don't know anyone who calls themselves a tall, handsome man. But this guy in this song does. Um, and uh, it's a really cocky song, I guess. Um, okay, so no, no offense to any tall people. I'll try not to be offended. Okay. I, I do say some terrible... No, no, I don't. <laughs> Picking up. Tall, handsome man. I'm 
I'm just doing what I can And a message for the kids I'm tall and handsome You can be two kids Give yourself a chance And your dream can come true Kids, be a tall, handsome man Or at least one of my fans Right, that was excellent Man, well, you're thanks. my first uh, uh, podcast performance, and it was a perfect choice. Oh, cool. I loved it. That was yeah, great. it took me like three minutes to write that song. It just came to me, but then I worked on it over the years and changed the words around. So are you a fan of uh, They Might Be Giants at all? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, in high school, they were my favorite band. That's what rem- yeah, I They could, were my absolute I see the connection. Band. Yeah? Yeah? Wow, mm-hmm. that's that's really flattering, actually. Thank you. Well, thank you, man. We're about at that uh, hour point, and uh, there's lots of excitement going on in my house right now, so uh, let me go ahead and wrap it up. But uh, go ahead and tell me about this thing that you're um, emceeing real quick. Oh, right, yeah. I'll be a very atypical host um, slash emcee for um, City Sound RVA. It's um, a two-day music and beer festival. Or as most people will know it by, because they came, mm-hmm. hopefully, a beer and music festival. Um, they so beer have, is featured heavily in this festival. Oh, right, Not yeah. Not in the usual ways with beer trucks of Miller Lite Correct. and Budweiser, yeah, but, but there's craft uh, 50, beers. Yeah, right? 50 breweries are going to okay. be there with their brews. Okay. And um, there are going to be um, 10 bands, including the Breeders. Right on. Black Girls. Elvez. Uh-huh. Elvez, yeah, right. and... Apparently, he wants to hang out the night before. With you? Yeah. And, oh, right. And uh, this um, other guy who's working on this thing. Hey, Charlie. How's it going? Um, and, and this is down at the Confederate... Uh, uh, yeah, the American Trediger Civil Ironworks? War. Yeah, the American right. Civil War um, uh, Tredegar place. Right. You know, with those cannons and everything. Across from Brown's Island. Yeah, yeah, right. that's right. Um, and there are good... Yeah, 10 bands... And you can order your discounted tickets online. Excellent. I've never said something like and that And you're before. the MC you're hosting. Are you going to do any songs? Maybe so. There? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I have to. Mm-hmm. I'll, um, yeah, I've been actually um, preparing hardcore for it, rereading this book called Insight and Outlook by something Kessler spelled C-O-E-S-T, like the uh-huh. uh, European way. Um Insight and Outlook is, I think, the fundamental book that every um, comedian or even just some kind of performer needs to read because it's about so many things, like what appeals to people um, both emotionally and aesthetically. Mm-hmm. It's Usually you have one or the other. Um, mm-hmm. But it has a whole thing about comedy and humor, and it's interesting because there are only two things that make people laugh aside from slapstick, weird stuff, um, which kind of could go into one of these categories. Um, the first one is taking something down a peg. Right. Wh- whether it's like a politician. A shirt. Or, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, people that wear fanny packs. Right. You know, p- other people, yourself as a comedian, mm-hmm. some comedians do that. Right, like the whole roast kind of thing, right? Right, like, right, right. Uh, somebody um, who yeah, obviously yeah. feels like... Uh, smug or full of themselves yeah. and take them down a peg. Got it's it. either taken down uh-huh. a peg or, you know, frozen bananas like Mitch Hedberg. How uh-huh. useless are things that we make Yeah, <laughs> as a society? Um, 
Or in the other observational one... Observational ridiculousness right, right, right. kind of... Uh, yeah, and the other one is um, called by association, which is not in the English dictionary, but it's in this book. I guess it's the only word this psychologist and philosopher had for it. Uh-huh. But it's when you take two things that you would never connect, and you connect them in front of people, and it's a surprise because you had never connected these two ideas together. So there's a little, there's some irony and some paradox and some uh, right. contrast. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the surprise of right. uh, like when Stephen Wright says um, he got tired of calling the movie phone service, so to see what was playing, uh-huh. you know, so then he went out and bought the album, <laughs> and see, like I never thought of um, album, you know, buying albums at a at a record store and then seeing what movies are playing, but he connected right. those two right. things. And that surprised the audience. And at the same time, it made them see logic in a completely different way, right. like in a Mad Hatter kind of way. The absurdist. Yeah, it, logic, and it was yeah. a very, it's a very cerebral joke. He's another one of these cerebral Yeah, comedians. one of my favorites of his is uh, I put instant coffee in a microwave and went back in time. Right. I put my uh, car keys into my house and I started it up and drove it around the block. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like he shit. takes two things that you don't connect and he connects them for you. And there's something impressive about it, so people laugh at it. And you can—it's the identification yeah. laugh, and that's a, that's really my favorite kind of humor right right now. Is right. when somebody makes a like they make a connection for you, they reveal something. It's like right. a revelation, and yet you also already knew it on some level. Like yeah. a lot of times, it's this. They showed you something new, but they showed you something familiar that was new. Like, right. Exactly. Yeah, you know? I love that stuff. But yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll be doing a lot of that stuff. Some. A lot of it improvised because you don't know what it's going to be like at the Sound City thing. Oh, the breeders. Well, we didn't really get to talking. I got the impression, and fuck it, if we're at an hour, we'll go longer. We've done that before. Okay. You, Ooh. Uh, I got the impression that you you do improv. I've seen pictures of you with an improv group. On oh yeah. Facebook, oh no. So I was I, um, I, like, I was a guest of of the Richmond Comedy Coalition's. Um, uh, they call it um, Richmond Famous. Mm-hmm. They get some guy. Or a girl in Richmond that does stuff, and some people know them, and they um, talk about their stories. Or in my case, I performed or whatever. And then this quote unquote Richmond famous person gets off stage, and they do their improv comedy based on that what what I did or what someone else said as mm-hmm. um, a springboard or some kind of prompt for the next comedy sketch. So you're. It's kind of like when they when you go to improv stuff and they have like the wheel of improv, right? And, you know, they just land on a thing. Yeah, and, and yeah. these these guys are really good, um, and they're having their um, Richmond co- Comedy Coalition. Is yeah, that what you said? their uh-huh. coalition theater is opening mm-hmm. up um, this weekend, as in Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's gonna be great, and they're so good. I highly recommend going to a Richmond Comedy Coalition show. And what else? Uh, what else have is coming up that's in the comedy world. Like, what's worth uh, checking out along those lines? Because I'm kind of interested in uh, getting out there and doing that, you know. And oh, what's, what's um, well, there are some really great comedians in town. Um, David Marie Garland, who had a, a huge part in bringing comedy to the city. Um, Blake Midget is gone to Austin. He was the best at one point, I swear. So good. Very Bill Hicksy. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Joe Hafke, who's Bill also... Bill Hicksy, go ahead and 
define that as you would in your own words? You mean like he um, uh, he insults? Ang- angry, um, but profound at the same time. Um, crude, but with a purpose mm-hmm. rather than the purpose just Crude, being, but sophisticated? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He's not out there for the shock. He's out there and he realizes the shock has to have a purpose. Sure. And the purpose is not the shock of comedy. Like, Blake had it all down, or has it all down. Apparently he's doing really well down in Austin. Um, there's this guy, Corey Marshall. Like, half of his set is just an improvised bantering on where he is performing. Like, he makes fun of the um, stuff on the wall, uh-huh. and he just goes from there, <laughs> and he transitions into his, he very smoothly transitions into what I can feel he has written down and memorized, and he does it so well. Corey Marshall blew my mind. I've seen him three times. Every time, it's a completely new thing, and uh, yeah, him, Marky Jeter is a great guy, Um Man, yeah, we have a lot of great comedians, but it's. Do you ever go and do these open mic things? Or? I've done, I've done one. I've done mm-hmm. stand up comedy once, and um, it went okay. Um, and yeah, I'll leave it at that. But, <laughs> but, but the reason, um, I mean, the reason I so boldly say that um, myself and a few other comedians brought comedy to the city of Richmond is there was a time when. Um, all these comedians tried to get all these gigs at um, at at uh, the Funny Bone, mm-hmm. you know, the comedy club that's in a mall, yeah, way out in the West End. And um, the people there, I'm sure, are good people, but the way they run it, maybe unintentionally screws over comedians mm-hmm. that are local. And th- that happened to me. It happened to Blake Midget. It happened to like. I think Joe Hafke, but he was really nice about it. Um, but I, I guess, uh, yeah, we were like, well, this sucks. We have to start having um, all these open mic nights. Un- unbeknownst to us, um, we were so cocky there in our heads. There were no open mic nights. Right. Um, but there were years ago. Sure. Somehow, yeah. somehow it dried up I mean, in I Richmond. I went to see comedy. I mean, Richmond had right, a comedy right. boom in the 80s just like every yeah, place yeah. else. And I saw it. it it's Sam Miller's or Matt downtown or Matt's British pub used to have a comedy room right, where right. the tobacco company is like in the back in the basement right back in the day and so the, yeah, yeah we were like we have yeah there were open mic nights but it all dried up in Richmond and like 20 years later Blake Dave myself Joe Hafke a couple of other guys and forgive me for not remembering your names there are just like quite a few like maybe mm-hmm. up to 10 comedians or something that brought it to the city of Richmond again. Like, every time I booked a show it, in that one year, I made sure there was a comedian doing stuff in that show. Like, if it were at Gallery 5 or whatever, or some coffee shop, open mic stuff, I was like, no, 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 now this is going to also include comedy. Mm-hmm. And Blake did his thing. He did a lot of shows, I think, emceeing stuff, and so did Joe Hafke. And so many people came. And then all those, a lot of those people... I see familiar faces that mm-hmm. used to be in the crowd of either open mic stuff or other well, shows. Well, I would say that maybe... They uh, started doing comedy. You've managed to also make it relevant to people who thought they only wanted to go to rock shows or punk rock shows or see girls uh, twirl fire. They right. can also be entertained by this, that yeah. this fits in with all of that other stuff. Yeah, I don't, like, done... I don't like the segregation of all these sorts of entertainment right. or quote-unquote art or whatever, you right. know? 
why I don't know why it has to be. Uh, oh man, you want to see some band play? Yeah. Oh man, you want to go see some guy who's talking on stage? Oh man, you want to go to an art gallery and see some art? Why can't there be um, an umbrella and under that umbrella a few things? Yeah, it, it, I mean, there's enough of it around, and I guess it's. Uh, and, and granted, I've been gone from here for four years. I've only been back like six or seven months. You know. Yeah, yeah. But um, my impression. What what I went out to see, what most people went out to see was bands. And that was even a tough sell if it wasn't somebody people knew. Like, local bands really had a hard time of it. And it's the same thing, um, like, with you're talking about comedians. I mean, the, the clubs want to make money, you know. And if you're not recognized, they don't know who you are. Right, then, right, right. You know, the people aren't going to come in there and they're not going to buy drinks. You know, that's what the business yeah, yeah. is. But if, while we're having warehouse shows and while we're having these things, maybe we should be uh, going ahead and having comedy part of we got to run. We got an emergency to deal with here. Thanks for coming by, man. The house is on fire. Is uh, on just fire. like Sound City will be. Please yeah. go. Oh, it's soundcityrva.com. You yeah. can get your discounted tickets. All right. Thanks, Herschel. All right. Thank you. Bye bye. Yeah. Hirsch, Herschel. Fun, lovely fellow. I really love that song. I might have to ask him if I could use it as my theme song. Tall, handsome man. You know, that's me. Um, anyway, y'all heard in the beginning what's coming up, so I'm not going to repeat that. But uh, I will uh, encourage you to get more involved. Uh, you know, I, I know that people are listening to this, and I know that it is... Uh, reaching some ears uh, I'd like to know what you think you know leave a comment uh, talk back at me and uh, you know you can try to be nice but if you can't be nice it, still some attention would be better than no attention because uh, I'm an attention whore uh, I crave approval and feedback and all of you I imagine you all as a big house of mirrors reflecting myself back to myself and uh, if you don't chime in, then I'm just going to assume that you all love me and think I'm the awesomest person on earth, which, uh, you know, arguably, I am, really. I am, I am the most. In fact, I'm the only person on earth. And uh, the rest of you are just shadows, shades. You uh, only pop up to uh, sell me things or, you know, receive and uh, share affections and things like that the rest of the time you don't exist i can't right now you don't exist i don't see anybody around there's nothing around me but inanimate objects like this microphone and i'm kind of loving this microphone really like getting right up on it putting my lips up against it Mm -hmm. that's crazy i had a dream the other night i don't know who my subconscious based this kiss on but somebody laid a kiss on me in a dream that was better than any kiss I can remember ever having, yet I must have had that kiss for my brain to come up with it at some point. Or maybe that's the kiss my brain wants, and I better go out there looking for that uh, Cinderella to kiss. I'll just go around kissing girls, so if you uh, see me coming and I'm puckered up, you understand what's going on. I'm just uh, just looking for the uh, prince, Princess Charming of my kiss dreams. Mwah.